0: Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm thrilled that you're tuning in because we're continuing our study of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's right, right here on Engage in Truth. We're going through the Bible verse by verse. It's an expository study of God's holy word. In fact, that's what we do on Sundays as well. In old Calvary Chapel fashion, we are going through the book of Matthew on Sundays. And so if you're looking for a church to get uh, acquainted with, go deeper in God's Word with, and learn more at calvaryfountain.com. You can also find all of our broadcasts. If you've missed any of the broadcasts up until this point, you can go there to not only pick up each of the broadcasts, you just simply go to the website calvaryfountain.com, and there there's a drop-down for audio video, and you can find all the sermon notes there, video segments from all the teaching. So it's right there at your fingertips, so I encourage you to do that. Share it with your friends and family. And uh, get them equipped as well, because going through God's word will certainly give you a strong, solid footing in uncertain times. And I want you to be encouraged with what we're talking about here today. This is part two in our study of the body of Christ. Uh, the Apostle Paul has really been spending a lot of time here just trying to clarify some misunderstandings, things that were happening in the church there in Corinth. And and they were getting off. Uh, they were losing their moorings a bit. They they were getting off course. So Paul had to get them back on track. And and here there seems to be a, a misunderstanding even of how everyone plays a part. In the body of Christ, we so easily get into these type of behaviors, even in Western culture today. Uh, The church seems to have become this spectator sport. You go on Sunday, sit and warm a chair, listen to a good message. Perhaps you've heard some great music and you've worshiped a bit, and, and then you go home and you're not really engaging or connecting in the church throughout the week, and that's not what the church was designed to do. Yes, we expect that as spiritual gifts are given, and we covered a number of weeks on just covering some of the many spiritual gifts that have been covered here in our study that will set us up as we get into closer to 1 Corinthians 14, talking about the subject of tongues. Uh, and of course, you won't want to miss our study of 1 Corinthians 13 about love, agape love. But what we find is we go through these spiritual gifts that we Seem to give a lot of attention to certain kinds of gifts and not the others, and all of us play a big part in the church, which is the body of Christ. So let's look at this the, the, just to recap just a little bit. We touched on verses twelve to thirteen last week, and I was covering the subject of appreciating the solidarity of the body. Okay, the the, the first two verses give the theological basis for the body. This imagery that is developed throughout the rest of the passage. In fact, let me just cover that in brief here for you quickly. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, we covered last week. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So this verse is a bit of a tongue twister, and it demonstrates that there are many parts to the body, and there are many parts in the church, i.e., The body of Christ. So each part forms a whole body when joined together. And for example, there's 37.2 trillion cells in the human body and each separate cell is not the body but together they form a working organic machine that's capable of doing far more than the individual cell could do on its own now the term body is introduced in verse 12 and then repeated throughout. I mean, Paul will use it 18 times just in this chapter alone, and he employs this imagery frequently throughout all of his epistles. In fact, we see this in Romans chapter 12, Ephesians 1, throughout the book of Ephesians, Colossians 1, Colossians 2, and chapter 3. So he really wants us to, to, he wants to drive home this message that we are the body of Christ, something that Ephesians chapter 5 captures so well, even giving us the imagery of of the, the marriage union between a man and a woman in the home under this umbrella of marriage, this covenant relationship with Almighty God, and that is symbolic of the relationship in the structure of the church. So he wants us to see this and have it illustrated every day how this should work if we do it according to God's direction. So the word one occurs five times in just verses 12 to 13. So the emphasis is on the unity and oneness, one body of many parts that is unified together. So Paul is so intent on driving on this point of our oneness in the church that he refers to Christ as the church. So this is one of the places in scripture where all believers collectively are called Christ. So you are an ambassador for Christ. We I have hopefully drilled that point home several times of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20. You are an ambassador for Christ. I mean Paul had had received on the road to Damascus this voice of the Lord saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? From Acts chapter 9 verse 4. You see Paul had been persecuting Christians and not realize it in so doing was actually persecuting Christ. So every believer is a member of Christ's body. That is the unity that we see here. He refers to this in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Okay, so let's move on here. This week, let's cover, see how far we can get here. Let's jump into verse 14 and what we need to see here is that we're not to underestimate your importance to the body of Christ. You see, Paul, in a somewhat humorous vein that we're going to cover here, he attempts to get his point across that every member of the body has a different role to play. So, in this section, what we're going to see here is that there are certain members who have an inferiority complex— Very easy for us to do. We think of ourselves as insignificant. We are not contributors to the greater body. Now, some of that's self-inflicted. Sometimes we just are not getting involved. We're not getting connected. I've had people even at our own church tell us that, that they, they just weren't getting connected when there were activities and fellowships and various functions happening all week long in fact at one point every single day of the week had some activity or small group prayer group or even some uh, you know special uh, just hobby or something like that going on where groups were meeting and so there wasn't an excuse uh, that was really readily available to them to say that they couldn't get connected it, there was something else going on there all right so so this is really something we have to own that sometimes we just refuse to get connected. We don't want to be stretched. We don't want to get outside of our comfort zones. There's insecurity there. We like the illusion of control. And when we put ourselves out there, there's vulnerability there. There's even transparency that at times it, it comes into play. And that's all part of the accountability that we often have to have In the body of Christ. Okay, this is something that's good. It's edifying. It's strengthening. It's iron sharpening iron. We need to do this. We need not to forsake the assembly of the brethren. And we need to remember that when that was written, I believe Paul was the author of that. He may not have been the pen. And we see that often throughout Scripture, that there was individuals who were assigned to, they were being dictated to, as they would write the words of the apostle who was speaking these words as an instrument of Almighty God, who is the true author of the text. But in Hebrews, I believe this is coming from the Apostle Paul, perhaps while he's even in prison, and he's telling us in Hebrews 10.25, to not forsake the assembly of the brethren, and this is when Christianity would have been illegal. In fact, Nero, who would persecute Christians at that point, use even the sport of killing Christians... to to bring the attention on uh, diverting it away from himself and onto Christianity is telling everybody that Christianity was evil uh, and and to take the attention off himself and his own failures as a leader. And, And we see that this would set up almost 200 years of persecution that would follow. So we have to remember that when that was written, Christianity was on the verge of or already deemed illegal. And the Apostle Paul is telling us, do not forsake the assembly of the brethren, especially as the days draw near. And this is, of course, speaking of the return of our Lord Jesus and what we know and our understanding of the book of Revelation and the prophecies that are to be fulfilled there. So, again, we need not to underestimate our importance to the body of Christ. We all have a role to play. Here's what he says, verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but of many. So every part of the body, every organ is valuable. I would say that no one in the church is an appendix or a set of wisdom teeth. Okay, now I'd even argue that those are valuable too. But everybody is somebody because we're in this together. Now listen to this. It gets a little humorous here. Verses 15 to 16 of First Corinthians 12. He says, Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. The phrase, I am not a part of the body, occurs in both verse 15 and 16. Now, this is a, an indication of feeling insignificant, No one thinks that I'm important or significant. That's the feeling that's conveyed here. I have little to contribute to the ministry. I really don't matter all that much. I'm just simply consuming the limited natural resources of this body. No, no, no. That is a lie from the enemy. The foot is jealous of the hand here because it's covetous of the of the hand's prominence perhaps uh, the hand is in the public it's in the limelight but the foot is in the confinement inside a shoe i mean we rarely permit our feet to go out in public if we think about it we manicure our hands put ointment on them we make hands beautiful even putting rings on them we put jewelry on the hand but rarely on the foot hands take You know, all the delicate operations seem to come by way of the hand. We play piano or violin. We we do delicate things. Many surgeons have very skilled hands. So it's no wonder the foot feels inferior. I mean, during a church vote, no one in the meeting raises their foot. It's always the hand that's being raised. The foot thinks the hand has so much dexterity. I mean, it can pick up things so easily. The foot has an inferiority complex because the hand is always out in the limelight. So the the body would be in bad shape if it's without a foot. I mean, we rarely uh, think about what our body would be like if the foot were missing. Some of you listening to this may already know what that feels like. We need 200 different muscles just to walk. So if your feet and their muscles are not working very well, you aren't going very far. So if we even dislocate a tiny bone in our feet. Our whole body is miserable. Feet are very important. So why should the foot say, I don't count. I'm not important. No one ever notices me. No one cares about what I do. If I do anything, no one sees or even cares about me. I don't belong. I I might as well just give up. These are the things we often think from time to time if we truly are honest with ourselves. And, and, And God rewards the foot Based on its design of being a foot. Okay, so so often there's a lot of jealousy that starts to brew up. There, there's this inferiority that starts to brew up that we just think we're one of the muscles. We're just one of the cells. And that other group of cells gets all the attention. And yet God knows exactly how he has designed you, how he's wired you, and indeed how he has gifted you spiritually because you have the same Holy Spirit than I do. And yet your gift may be manifested differently, utilized differently, doing something entirely differently than mine within the same body. So if you've been gifted as a foot... It's easy to look at those gifted as hands and think how skilled and how capable they are and that you're not important at all. However, all God expects is that you do what you can do with what you have. You do exactly as the Lord has gifted you to do, and you do it the, the, to the very glory of God. You are working for Him and not for man. Now, we have to remember that each part of the body is important. Everybody is somebody because we're in this together. Now, the ear feels this uh, inferiority to the eye. The eye is out front, whereas the ear is on the side. No one ever talks about their ears. I mean, lovers look at each other's eyes. They don't look at each other's ears. So the one who looks in their ears is the mother. I mean, and she's the one who's saying, hey, wash those dirty ears. So they say wonderful things about the eyes. Uh, The eyes have color. I mean, poets... Who who write all these beautiful poems? They talk about eyes. They don't. They rarely ever talk about ears. So there's nothing very impressive appearance-wise about ears. Has any And I don't know that anyone's ever approached you and said you have incredibly attractive ears. I don't. I doubt that's happened. Uh, so so you know, you ears out there can be very critical of yourselves and of course of your position. So unfortunately, some at Corinth who lacked the more spectacular gifts of others, were discouraged, and they began to ask whether or not they had a place or even a a purpose within the church. So Paul moves from the sublime to the ridiculous by envisioning an absurd scenario. Listen to this, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So try to picture being an eye body, one massive six-foot eye. How useless and unattractive that would be. The body depends on union of all the members to function, so it is utterly ridiculous for the body to consist of just one member. If all the church had, if all it consisted of was the pastor and teacher, how impoverished would that church be? I mean, a, a body with just an eye would not be able to hear. A body with just an ear would not be able to smell. So we must always recognize that any public ministry is built on private ministry. So so my preaching is only as is, is powerful as our praying. The worship is only as fruitful as the nursery is. The point is that we need each gift of the body of Christ to function. Listen to this, verses 18 to 20. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So Paul makes it clear that God is the one that has gifted every church with just the gifts that he wants them to have. He is the one who's put everybody right where they need to be. You know, sometimes people actually will leave a church and go to another church. They don't know why. They're burdened to do this. In fact, we've been the recipient of of individuals who have even spent a couple decades with another church. They're burdened and grieved over their departure but yet being stretched to go into some place new and they don't initially know why they feel the burden to leave And it's amazing what has happened is that because we're all one body, at times just meeting in different buildings with different labels on the door, we need a part that is missing while another church has too many of those parts. So each part is moved around exactly as God has appointed it so that each body is strengthened up with the parts that they need. And it's amazing how that happens at exactly the perfect time. I can bear witness to that even of what has just happened this past week in our church, where there were vital needs, and just as those opportunities were opening up, God brought the right part and peace, the perfect fit to fill that gap, to fill that void at exactly the right time. That's how God works, so we have to trust that this is not man's church, it is the Lord's church. He has gifted everybody and he puts them just as he wanted. The church is all about the sovereignty of God. Now we have to have a transition from those who feel inferior in their gifts to those who feel superior in their gifts. That's what we look at next in verse 21. So we're not to overestimate our importance to the body of Christ, So nor we are to underestimate so here we're not to overestimate our value. So no, we, we need to squash the spiritual pride that we may have right now, that I'm pretty special to my church body. If I weren't there, they would be in trouble. Oh no, that, that attitude needs to go. If anything good is coming out of you, it is because the Holy Spirit is doing it in and through you. So 1 Corinthians 12 verse 21 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. I love how Paul is giving this vivid imagery here. So we've seen on several occasions in this letter, pride was indeed a problem among the Corinthian church. All the members in Corinth need each other, and no one is expendable, okay? And we need this attitude in the church today as well. So 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-two to 25, we read, now, much rather, those members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And and our own presentable, unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it that there should be no uh, schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Okay, so Paul argues that every member of the body is necessary. There are no exceptions. Paul rejected the Corinthians criteria for evaluating which gifts were the most honorable. In this we're reminded of the Lord's evaluation in 1 Samuel 16:7 where he says for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. They have they had chosen the most visible, maybe the most audible gifts for selfish reasons. We, we seem to default to that. Uh, and those who are being esteemed above others, uh, they, they really should be concerned of the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 20 verse 16, where we read that the first will be last. Okay, it's really easy for us to jockey for position even in the church. That's what happens in religious circles where we find ourselves in our identity by the ladder that we climb rather than by the Lord that we serve. So the sole purpose of the gifts was to build up the body of Christ, the true criterion for the greatness of any gift would be its usefulness to the body of Christ. So what's really essential to the ongoing life of the church is the people behind the scenes, those who serve faithfully. And we tend to forget that many of the strengths we so admire in one person are often incompatible with the strengths we admire in another. I mean, think about it. The grace of a figure skater is useless to a sumo wrestler. The diligent research and study of my favorite theologian doesn't leave much time for globe-trotting compassion of my favorite missionary, okay? God knows exactly what he's doing, and he compliments each accordingly. So then Paul pins now here one of the most powerful verses in the Scriptures. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. I mean, if you've ever been sick with a cold or a flu, and this is a sensitive subject right now given what we're going through, uh, it, you know that a simple cold or cough or sore throat can affect the entire body. And worse yet, if you've had ever had a case of something serious, we've been talking a lot about COVID-19 lately. I, I remember when I had West Nile virus. I mean, several years ago, I had this terrible bout with with this dreadful condition. This little bug didn't just affect my stomach. It affected my whole body. I ached from the tip of my head to the bottom of my feet. I experienced chills. I ran a fever. I was in flat out Agony. So when one part of your body suffers like that, the whole body is brought brought down. I, I mean, Paul addresses the unity once again throughout his writings. We see this in Ephesians 4 15 to 16. He says, Speaking the truth in love, may we grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. By what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. He says in Romans 12, verse 5 So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members. Of one another. So Paul took the theme of mutual care one step further. As members of the same body, we're so closely bound together that we actually share even the same feelings. So, what causes joy for one member delights the whole body. And when one member suffers, the entire body hurts. That's that's what happens when you have a family. So if someone is struggling in your church, we should lift them up together. We should be burdened for them together. They're not on their own in this. We should truly lift each other up as Aaron and her did for Moses. We should be right there with each other lifting each other up in intercessory prayer, helping each other. In fact, today I've been helping a gentleman build a deck at his at his home. He needed help, so we got the guys together and we're working to build his deck. He had hurt his back significantly. He needed help. That's what the body does. If one member is hurt, The other should lift him up. That's what a family does for one another. So this concept, Paul shares again in Romans 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Most of us do a a better job of, you know, we're we're emphatic towards to those. We have the empathy and maybe we're a little sympathetic with those who suffer. and, and, And then we have a hard time, if we're really honest with ourselves, we have a hard time rejoicing, with those who are honored okay so we can be very sympathetic empathetic to those who are struggling But then when somebody else is being honored for something that they have done well, we struggle to come alongside them in that, because then we get a little jealous, and what happens is sin is brewing its ugly head. So if we could ever come to the conviction that we are truly a family, it would change many of our attitudes about ourselves and others in the church. And I know that I receive greater joy in seeing my children achieve than in my own achievements. So if we're a family then why is it so difficult to see another member of our own body receive honor? I suspect that's probably pride. That's an issue in our own hearts. So our measure for evaluating our gifted self-images is not another body member, but our faithfulness in employing our unique gift for the good of the family itself. We must desperately yearn for the success of others. I, yes, we should do that. We want others to succeed in understanding God's word, to have a great victory on the front line no longer tossed about by the waves but on a solid footing on a firm foundation in Jesus Christ we should have great joy in our heart when we see others succeed when the, the light bulb spiritually goes off in their life and their marriages are turned around and their family is doing well and they're in service to the Lord let us take joy in these things and not be jealous of them if we ourselves are going through some struggles so now that we've done away with spiritual in and superiority complexes, uh, these complexes that we deal with. We're ready to go on to the next one, but we're going to do that on the next radio program. We're out of time today. I want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. I hope you've been blessed by this program. Again, it is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. We'd love to worship with you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care. Here.